If you love Snapped, Women Who Murder, you're going to love listening to true crime or mystery titles on Audible. The audio title I'm diving into again is one of my favorites to revisit, Mindhunter by John Douglas and Mark Ulshaker. Even if you think you know the details of the cases, former FBI unit chief John Douglas took on from documentaries or the scripted show, the audio title goes above and beyond in bringing you along with him in his career, trying to catch serial killers and serial perpetrators. He used psychological profiling to dive into the minds of notorious criminals. The title includes his hunt for a killer in Alaska, the Green River Killer, and so much more. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. It is the home of storytelling after all. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash snapped or text snapped to 500-500. That's audible.com slash snapped or text snapped to 500-500. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Hi, Snap listeners. We're bringing you a special bonus episode today from Oxygen's hit series, Snapped Killer Couples. You can also watch full episodes live or on demand on the free Oxygen app by clicking the link in our description. A friendly Oklahoma neighborhood is terrorized when a father and his teenage children fall victim to a deadly home intrusion. There's blood everywhere. I can't go in there. There's aggression. There's anger. This is a very in-your-face direct attack. The investigation will unravel dark secrets. I just don't think they could stand each other. Divorce causes emotions to run high, and bad things happen. Had a family dispute turned deadly? Or was the true motive behind the crime something more startling and sinister? It was an illegal relationship. This was not somebody that you wanted to mess with. She was in love with him, and she would do anything he said. I was very shocked, because I just didn't see it coming. A lot of people can't imagine that type of hatred or that type of evil could be next door. May 13th, 2010, Guthrie, Oklahoma. It's just before 7 a.m. when an alarming 911 call comes into the local police station. 911. Uh, my dad's dead. Hey, where's this at? My house. There's blood everywhere. I can't go in there. The caller identifies herself as 15-year-old Kaylee Fryer. What's your dad's name? Lewis Fryer. He didn't wake me up in the morning. His car was gone. 
Everything's gone. Is there blood? You said there's blood everywhere? Yes, there's blood all over the floor. I tried to wake him up, but he didn't wake up. I have him in route, okay? Yes. Gotta stay calm, okay? <laughs> I've never seen a dead body before. Within minutes, first responders arrive at the home. They find the teenage caller waiting for them outside. I observed Kaylee Fryer sitting on the concrete floor um, on the carport, just sitting there crying. So at that point, when we enter the house, we do draw our weapons because you don't know what you're going into. You don't know if there's a suspect still in the residence. You're on high alert, clearing the kitchen, bedrooms, closets, under the beds, just to make sure that that house is safe. Officers locate the victim in the master bedroom. They found Mr. Fryer deceased on the bedroom floor. I saw a laceration on the back, lacerations on his head, area, torso, where he looked like he'd been in a fight. The victim's injuries were obvious. He'd been stabbed in the neck and in the back, and there was a great deal of blood there on the bedroom floor. Anytime we have a homicide like that, we'll contact the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations to come in. I spoke with officers at the scene and was briefed of the situation that there was a deceased male in the back bedroom and that his 15-year-old daughter had found him deceased and she was sitting in a patrol car. She was put in a unit just for to get her out of public eye. She was sobbing. This was a young lady that just found her father deceased. Anytime there's a murder, it always shakes your community that you live in. And your first thoughts are, who could have possibly done this? Who would want to kill this man? Fifty-year-old Louis Keith Fryer, or Louie to his friends and family, was the quintessential family man and proud father to his two children, Keith and Kaylee. My dad always did everything he could to be everything that we needed. He was really just like, like a stand-up parent. The father of two had fallen in love with his children's mother, Trisha, nearly two decades before. While Louie was known for his quiet and collected demeanor, Trisha was the polar opposite. She's very eccentric, very outgoing. Eccentric was like the, is the best word for her. Louie was drawn to Trisha's zest for life, and the two were married within a year. By 1994, the couple had expanded to a family of four. Settling into a quaint home in Guthrie, Trisha stayed home with the kids while Louie worked to support the family. For work, my dad always worked for a high-end picture framing company. He was actually involved in the design of the frames. But while Louis's career flourished, his marriage fell apart, in large part because Trisha had developed a drug habit that led to legal problems. In my early childhood, I don't remember a lot of, uh, of my mom because she would come in and out of our lives because uh, she did a lot of prison time. My dad had said we have to get a divorce, and she agreed to it. She definitely loved them, but she wasn't very motherly. It was like she totally lacked that maternal instinct. 
and she just wanted to be their friend. Louis and Trisha's divorce was finalized in 1997. Louis was awarded full custody of both kids. While being a single father had its challenges, Louis worked hard to build strong relationships with both his children. My dad was a coach. That's the best way to describe him. He liked any sports and he was constantly watching sports. Anything that the University of Oklahoma was doing, if OU was competing, he was watching it, especially football. The OU Texas game was like a family holiday for us. Every morning he would take me to school and I would let him just like spew all of his knowledge of, of any sport to me. He was constantly just trying to like, just make our lives better in any way. He treated his kids right, and I had a lot of respect for him. But the Fryer family falls victim to a horrific tragedy on May 13, 2010. As a CSI unit examines the crime scene, officers ask Kaylee Fryer to walk them through the events of the previous 12 hours. She pretty much stated that her and her dad watched a movie the night before, and I believe roughly maybe 10.30, they went to bed. She went to her bed, and, and he went to his bedroom. On that morning, Kaylee Fryer says she woke up at 7 a.m. Kaylee said that when she got up this morning, she was surprised that her dad had not woke, waken her up, which he normally does. So she got up and she went into his room and that's when she found him. So that's when Agent Dean is saying, well, did you sleep through the night? Did you hear anything? She said, no, I slept all the way through the night. I didn't hear anything. Inside Louis Fryer's bedroom, investigators with the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation find evidence of a violent struggle. There was blood on the bed. There was blood on the pillow. There was blood on the wall. The room was in disarray. There was obvious defensive wounds uh, to his body where he was trying to defend himself during the fight. First thing that we think is robbery gone bad. You know, they break in, Louis discovers him, battle ensues, they kill him, they swipe the stuff and leave. But that theory quickly loses traction when investigators study the position of Louis's body. The blood on the bed was indicative that Louis Fryer was in bed at the time he was attacked, and that this was a very brutal attack, that Louis came out of the bed, fought his attacker, and made every attempt to save his own life there in that bedroom. There was no forced entry into the home. So if this is being described as a burglary, you would have expected broken windows, broken door, and there were none. On top of that, there was not a scene of an obvious burglary in the house. If nobody forced their way in, then it leads me to believe that the assailant was a known person to the family. This was a very personal attack. When you're stabbing somebody eight times, this is not a random act. There's aggression, there's anger. This is a very in-your-face, direct attack. The question now facing Guthrie police is who would want to attack Louis Fryer in such a vicious way, and why? Louis Fryer was a great dad. He was a nice guy in the community. There was no reason for someone to dislike him to this level. 
anybody and everybody is pretty much a suspect. Coming up, investigators uncover conflict within the Fryer home. I screamed at him and I told him he was lying. And I grabbed the chair from under me and I threw it against the wall. And police ID someone from Louis Fryer's past with a potential motive. Divorce is a motivator that causes emotions to run high and bad things happen. In Guthrie, Oklahoma, OSBI agents are investigating the stabbing death of 50-year-old Louis Fryer. The crime scene unit continues processing the Fryer home and makes an ominous discovery in the kitchen. It was believed that the murder weapon was a kitchen knife. There was a knife missing from the butcher block at that point. Evidence suggests the killer had fled the scene through the back of the home. Blood smears were found on the back door on the inside of the door, showing the subject had left out the back door. So now the investigation began. Was Louis a target? To answer that question, investigators with the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation speak with the victim's 15-year-old daughter, Kaylee. The officers had placed her in a patrol car uh, to keep her out of the scene, but keep her safe. I went and spoke to her in the patrol car. Kaylee tells investigators she believes whoever killed her dad had been there to rob him. She informed me that her father's car was missing, that it had been parked in the driveway the night before. Investigators immediately put out a bolo for Louis Fryer's missing vehicle. We began a search for that vehicle, and we notified outlying agencies to be on the look for that particular vehicle and if it was located to notify us. Before ending their interview, detectives asked Kaylee if she can think of anyone who might target her father for money. She says she can't. But she does admit that her brother Keith had left home after a fight with their dad three days earlier. Her brother had been living at a friend's house for a few days. He had gotten a fight at school and got kicked out of the house. Kaylee is transported to the station while police try to make contact with her mother. In the meantime, investigators head to Guthrie High School to speak with Louie's 18-year-old son, Keith. As soon as second hour started, there was a knock at the classroom door. There was a bunch of cops, and they all escorted me to the principal's office. The entire time that I'm going from the classroom to the principal's office, like I didn't understand. And whenever I got there, the principal wasn't in his office. Instead, there was an OSBI agent. I did notify Louis's son that his father was deceased. And he became extremely emotional and upset. I screamed at him. I just, like, screamed at him, and I told him he was lying. And I grabbed the chair from under me, and I threw it against the wall. I just punched the principal's door until it opened, and I just ran out into the into the hallway. They pulled me back into the principal's office eventually, whenever I, I had calmed down. Investigators press Keith about his relationship with his father. I got in a fight at school, and my dad's rule was, you know, once you turn 18, you get in a fight at school, you, you know, you're out of the house. So I was out of the house only like three days before it all happened. 
But Keith claims the move was only temporary. The day of that he had kicked me out, he went and had uh, lunch with one of my close friends. And he told my friend, well, as soon as he comes crawling back, I'll let him, I'll let him back in. Homicide detectives asked Keith for his whereabouts the previous 24 hours. He had stated he was with friends the night before. He had an alibi of where he was at, which eliminated him. He asked me if my dad had any enemies. And I was just like, what do you mean? Keith provides detectives with more insight into his family's history. They learn Louie was divorced from his children's mother, Trisha. Police release Keith and dig deeper into Louie's relationship with his ex. Divorce is a motivator that causes emotions to run high and bad things happen. Investigators attempt to call Trisha but they are unable to reach her. There were questions initially about her because she was difficult to find. It was no secret that she was a drug addict, that she was uh, not someone who was stable. Police are surprised when Trisha Fryer unexpectedly arrives at the station later that afternoon. She claims her phone had been dead and she'd been nearly an hour away in Oklahoma City all night. Trisha also swears she would never harm the father of her children, especially over custody. My dad would let her see us more than what the courts had even uh, demanded. He decided that she could uh, have us for any weekend, and um, it wasn't every weekend that she was able to, but uh, a lot of weekends she would try and she would have us for the weekend. Investigators quickly rule out Trisha as a possible suspect. They next request to speak with her daughter, Kaylee, for a second time. Trisha agrees and sits with Kaylee while the 15-year-old tries to shed light on her father's mysterious death. Some of the questions that Kaylee was asked was, who did this? Any arguments with anybody? Now, who would want to kill your dad? I don't know. See any enemies? No. Everybody likes my dad. Given the lack of forced entry, investigators ask Kaylee if anyone else has access to the home. As he's questioning her, do people normally come over to your house? Do you have a lot of company? She says, no, that just didn't happen. Your father didn't allow it. With Kaylee unable to offer any more information, authorities head back to the crime scene. We walked around asking if anybody had heard anything, seen anything, any suspicious activity at that residence. Police are unable to locate witnesses who had seen anything suspicious the night before. But as they continue speaking with neighbors, two of Kaylee Fryer's friends come forward with valuable information. They probably offered the most information about everything going on at that house, because they knew Kaylee, they knew Mr. Fryer. Kaylee's friends say Louie was a good dad, but he had become very strict about Kaylee's social life. Kaylee was a fighter. I mean, she stood her ground. She didn't put up with no BS. Kaylee was not somebody you wanted to mess with. People knew that if it came down to it, she wouldn't be afraid to, to throw hands and, and get in somebody's face. She was always getting in a fight at school. She got expelled from the same school 
three different times. She had not been in school for quite a while, and she just did what she wanted while her dad was at work. People were coming in and out when Louis Fryer was not at home. There were parties there. She was using drugs and, and alcohol. Her dad was trying to put his foot down and trying to establish some, some rules inside the home that she wasn't in favor of. That's when friends revealed that Kaylee had started sneaking around behind her father's back. It was determined that Miss Fryer had a boyfriend. They knew that he was 21 years old while Kaylee was 15. It was clear that Kaylee was telling a story different from what Kaylee's friends provided to law enforcement. Police are asking themselves, why didn't Kaylee not mention this boyfriend at the beginning? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code AUDIO to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code AUDIO at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code AUDIO. It's been eight hours since 15-year-old Kaylee Fryer found her father, Louis Fryer, stabbed to death. When investigators learned that Kaylee had kept a big secret from her dad. Miss Fryer had a boyfriend that was a 21-year-old male. There's always the question, you know, what's a 21-year-old guy dating a 15-year-old daughter? Kaylee's friends tell investigators that Kaylee had been dating Jerry J. Childs since February of 2010. We all had the same group of friends, so I believe that's how they probably met. And then just over time, you know, got together. Me and Jay at that time were best friends. His personality, he was very shy and quiet. Kaylee was fun and outgoing, and she loved to just do different things. It didn't matter what it was, she was down for it. The way they looked at each other was, you could just tell that they had that bond and that connection. I thought the age difference was a little odd, but I didn't put too much thought into it because I knew that Kaylee kind of preferred guys that were just a bit older. I thought that their maturity levels kind of matched up. According to friends, Kaylee knew her father wouldn't approve of the age difference between her and Jay. So she kept their relationship hidden from him. I hung out with Jay and Kaylee at her house while her father wasn't at home. I remember we just spent the time watching TV and just hanging out until her father was about to be home and then Jay would just sneak out. Jay was relatively homeless at the time. He had been kicked out of his house. He had gone to live with another friend, had been removed from that house, and was staying on the couch of another person. He was not stable, had nowhere to go, didn't have a car, didn't have a job, had no money. Jay did stay at Kaylee's house when her dad was not around. But investigators learned that just three days earlier, Louis had discovered Kaylee's secret romance with Jay. My dad wasn't aware of the relationship until I was kicked out and I told him about it. 
he wasn't happy about it for the age difference, and that's not something he would condone by any means. Beyond his own personal disapproval, Louis was also well aware that the romance between Kaylee and Jay wasn't legal in the state of Oklahoma. Being that he was over 18, she was 15 at the time, I mean, she didn't meet the statutory level of consent for her and Jay to be having a sexual type relationship. It was an illegal relationship. Intent on putting an end to the romance, Louis Fryer had tracked Jay Childs down the next day as he walked through the Fryer's neighborhood. My dad was in his car and he was driving by him and he just stopped and he was like, hey, you know, you're a lot older than my daughter and I'd like you to not see her anymore. Kaylee's dad did want them to break up. But according to Kaylee's friends, it seems that Louie's demand had fallen on deaf ears. After my dad told Jay that he didn't want him to see his daughter anymore, they still continued to go about it as if it didn't happen. Kaylee's father did not allow Jay Charles to be in the home, but her friends knew that he frequently was there, uh, that he would come after her father had gone to bed at night, or he would come when her father was at work. The revelation that Jay and Kaylee continue to see each other despite her father's wishes leads detectives to question whether the couple's illicit romance might have something to do with Louis Fryer's violent death. Once that came to light, that's where the focus was at to try to find the boyfriend. When calls to Jay's cell phone go unanswered, investigators initiate an APB for the 21-year-old. We began looking for Mr. Childs just to do an interview and see what he possibly knew. It seemed like it made a lot of sense that Jay was the one who did it. In my head, I didn't even point to him, so it it, it kind of took me by surprise, but not really. And from that point, I was I was pretty convinced it was him. While police attempt to locate Jay, they also double their search efforts for Louis's missing vehicle. Investigators believed early on that whoever had Lewis Fryer's vehicle would be the person that had taken his life. It isn't long before detectives get a tip. We had received notice from Valley Brook, Oklahoma, that a vehicle matching that description with the tag number was located abandoned. The car had been called in by somebody in the neighborhood, a suspicious car in the neighborhood, and that's what led police to the car. It appears the vehicle had been abandoned. OSBI looked for any forensic evidence that could be located. None was found in the vehicle. The only thing that was located in the vehicle were the keys, which were in the center council. It was determined that a, any type of murder weapon was not located. A canvas of the area turns up no other leads. But as authorities expand their search, they receive a tip that Jay Childs has been located in Oklahoma City. He actually called somebody to come and pick him up. When he called me, I was very confused. He said, can you please come pick me up? I'm stuck down here. He wants me to find him a ride, and I just am not going to do that. I told him that OSBI wanted to ask him a question or two. 
and to please just come in and talk to them. He had stated he was down at the Crossroads Mall area, which is just a few blocks from Valley Brook. I didn't want them to like throw him on the ground. I said he's willing to come in and talk, and this is where he's at, and this is where you can pick him up. Investigators quickly assemble a team to bring Jay Childs in. You're trying to get resources from other agencies and stuff there to help them as quickly as possible so he didn't leave. They did locate Childs outside the mall. He was taken into custody without incident. OK, we got him in custody. Now let's get him back up here for questioning. Coming up, authorities sit down with their primary person of interest, but a shocking admission points to a new possible suspect. This was not somebody that you wanted to mess with. I don't know that anybody ever suspected anything like this. Eleven hours into the murder investigation of Louis Fryer, police have taken their primary suspect and the boyfriend of Louis's daughter, Kaylee, 21-year-old Jay Childs, into custody. Jay is interrogated by law enforcement, and he says he didn't have anything to do with it. He doesn't know what happened to Mr. Fryer. But as investigators press Jay about his relationship with Kaylee, Jay finally admits that he had been staying over in Kaylee's bedroom for the past several nights. He was not allowed at the house, and he was not wanted around there, according to her, her dad. So Kaylee would let Jay know when her dad was sleeping, and Jay would come over and be with Kaylee. On the day of the murder, Kaylee asked him to come after her father had gone to bed at night. She tells him that she'll leave the back door open. He had stated that he had went into the residence to spend the night that night at the Fryer residence by sneaking in with Miss Fryer's permission. But Jay tells investigators that Louie must have woken up and heard Jay sneak into the house because moments after Jay arrived, both he and Kaylee could hear her father walking down the hall and approaching her room. Jay told detectives that he had snuck into the house and later was found inside the bedroom with Kaylee. Louis became irate. He said that Mr. Fryer went back to his bedroom, got a golf club. Jay says he panicked because he didn't know what Louis was going to do, so he went into the kitchen and got a knife to defend himself. He said Mr. Fryer came at him with a golf club and that he had simply defended himself by using the knife. He's saying that the struggle happened in the hallway. But investigators aren't buying Jay's story of self-defense. Agent Dean tells him there's no blood in the hallway. The golf clubs were located inside the closet. Louis's feet were against the closet door so the closet door couldn't have opened. It was impossible for a golf club to have been used, and no other golf club was found outside of the closet. So that, we knew, was not a true story. Blood evidence found at the crime scene also doesn't line up with Jay's statement. Agent Dean uh, confronted him. Hey, how did the blood get on the bed there? 
We know that Louis Fryer was in his bed when he was attacked. We know that most likely he was asleep, and we know that because there's the blood on the bed, and we know he went from the bed to the floor. Confronted with the evidence from the crime scene, Jay changes his story. He admits that he had come to the house with the intention of robbing Louis Fryer, but claims Louis was never supposed to get hurt. He said that, you know, I went to the house about 3 o'clock in the morning. I came in through the back door. He said he actually said something to Kaylee, but he doesn't remember if Kaylee even responded to him. But he walked into the bedroom. He decided he's going to just get the money, get the wallet, and get the valuables. And when he did that, he said he made some noise. And Mr. Fryer started to move. Jay says in that moment, he panicked. Mr. Childs then began to attack Mr. Fryer while he was in bed. Mr. Fryer did try to fight back and was hollering for help at the time of the attack. Lewis tries to fight him off. That's when he stabs him in, in the neck. Once Louis had stopped fighting back, Jay says he took Louis's car keys and fled out the back door. But something about Jay's story still doesn't add up for investigators. Why had Jay armed himself with a knife if he only meant to rob Louis Fryer? In the third story that Jay tells Agent Dean is when he finally tells him Kaylee had showed him where the knife was. Jay implicates Kaylee as being a motivating or driving factor behind this. Investigators asked Jay to explain what motivation Kaylee might have to kill her father. According to Jay, Kaylee had grown increasingly tired of her father's attempts to control her dating life. Jay's belief is that her father is mean to her and has too many rules. And she wants her dad dead because she believes with him dead, she'll be allowed to live with her mom, and she'll be happy, and she and Jay can be together. Jay alleged that Kaylee Fryer asked him on numerous occasions to murder her father. At first, he said no. But when Kaylee's brother got kicked out of the home, Kaylee found a new opportunity to once more ask Jay to kill her dad. And this time, she revealed a secret that, according to Jay, finally persuaded him to take her plan seriously. He was told by Miss Fryer that she was pregnant with his child. Jay said that, you know, Kaylee said her dad would never agree to them being together. She wanted to live with him and them have a family together, and that she had given him this plan of how they were able to do this. This is somebody who's been kicked out of his house, and Kaylee offers him a plan that they're going to go live with her mother, they're going to be happy, they're going to have a place to live. And this just offers him something that he can't turn down. Ultimately, Jay agreed to help Kaylee. He arrived at the Friar's house in the early morning hours of May 10th, after Kaylee had called to let him know that her father was asleep. Mr. Childs was told to come into the residence through the unlocked back door after they had went to bed. She would leave the back door open, 
she also showed him which knife to use that was in a block of knives that was located on the kitchen counter and instructed him to go into the bedroom and stab Mr. Fryer to death. He talks about he's going in with the intent to murder him. Mr. Childs had stated he was standing at the foot of the bed looking at Mr. Fryer while Mr. Fryer was sleeping and stated that he almost didn't do it. He says that he stood over him and Louie moved a little bit and he just started stabbing him. Jay says he panicked because he didn't know what Louie was going to do. Mr. Childs stated that Miss Fryer did not come in to assist him during the attack, that she had stayed in her room during the entire incident. Jay tells investigators that after Louie was dead, he fled in Louie's car. Kaylee told him where he keeps the keys to the car. Mr. Childs stated that he did take the vehicle and did drive to Oklahoma City like he was instructed. He says that after the murder, that when he flees, he throws the knife out the window somewhere off of I-35. Jay says once he got to Oklahoma City, he ditched the car and called Kaylee. They talked for a minute, and Kaylee said that she was going to call 911 as soon as she hung up. The plan was that Kaylee would make arrangements to meet him at the mall or pick him up at the mall. This never happened. Jay had been phoning, trying to get a hold of Miss Fryer, that she was supposed to have picked him up. He thinks she and her mother are coming to pick him up at the mall, and they never arrive. He went on to state that he did regret and felt very bad about what had happened to Mr. Fryer. Authorities officially charged Jay Childs with first-degree murder. They then obtained an arrest warrant for Kaylee Fryer, who has been in her mother's custody since the investigation began. At 10.40 p.m. that evening, less than 16 hours after the 15-year-old had called 911, police arrest Kaylee outside a restaurant where she is eating dinner with her mother. She was crying. She was pretty upset. I don't know if she was upset she got caught or she was upset that she realized that she was a part of killing her dad. Kaylee lawyers up immediately. Once you get asked for an attorney, you're not interviewed. Kaylee was booked into the Logan County Jail there in Guthrie, and she was charged with one count of murder in the first degree. With the alleged co-conspirators behind bars, investigators must decipher if what Jay told them is true. I was very shocked. It just didn't make sense how she could just all of a sudden want her dad dead. And it also didn't make sense that Jay would just go do it. I was just kind of blown away that a 15-year-old can convince a 21-year-old to kill her dad. In Guthrie, Oklahoma, 15-year-old Kaylee Fryer and her 21-year-old boyfriend, Jay Childs, have been arrested for the murder of Kaylee's father, Louis Fryer. 
While Jay has admitted to the stabbing, he's implicated Kaylee as the crime's true mastermind. Anytime you have a 15-year-old child that dislikes her dad so much to put a, a plan in place to kill him, I mean, it shocked a lot of people in our community. When investigators secure warrants for Kaylee's phone records, her communication with Jay only strengthens his claims. Kaylee had told the initial investigator, Michael Dean, that she slept through the night. We know the murder happened approximately 3 a.m., but at 3.30 a.m., she is awake and accessing the internet through her phone. And then we know at 6.59 is the call from Jay Childs before she makes the 911 call. She's there in the house with her father's body from 3 a.m. until uh, law enforcement arrives shortly after 7, so about four hours. You have to wonder, you know, what was she doing all that time? Kaylee's phone records aren't the only damning evidence investigators uncover. Upon searching the residence, they had found a diary that was Miss Fryer's diary. Upon reviewing the diary, there were several different entries pertaining to how much she hated her father. It was very hateful things that she had written. With Kaylee's trial looming, authorities receive surprising news from the women's prison. All the jail phone calls are recorded. And normally before trial, we have an investigator assigned or someone assigned to listen to the jail calls. The fact that Kaylee was not pregnant came out in jail phone calls uh, with her mother. When Jay Childs learns of the development, he's heartbroken. This is another piece of the puzzle. The fact that she was not pregnant is Kaylee manipulating Jay Childs to do what she wants. She manipulated Jay into doing what she wanted, and she got what she wanted. In July 2010, Jay Childs makes the decision to plead guilty to his role in the crime. In exchange for Mr. Childs' testimony, he agreed to a plea bargain of uh, first-degree murder and theft of an auto. If he would testify truthfully at her trial, the state would not request life without parole for him, that it would only be life. In May 2011, one year after her father's murder, 16-year-old Kaylee Fryer is tried as an adult in a Logan County courtroom. If it's a crime of homicide or an aggravated felony of some degree, they can choose to charge her as an adult. At trial, Jay took the stand and he testified against Kaylee. It was emotional testimony. He was very honest, and it is a brutal account of what happened. I believe Jay's motive for it all was to have a happily ever after life with Kaylee. I honestly think she wasn't looking at that life to be with Jay. And her whole thing with the plan was as long as she don't do the murder, she's not going down for it. Despite Kaylee's claims of innocence, a jury finds her guilty of first-degree murder on May 17, 2011. Kaylee Fryer was sentenced to 
life with the possibility of parole for the first degree murder. In the state of Oklahoma, life with parole is determined to be 45 years, and it is an 85% crime. You have to serve 85% of that 45-year sentence before you're eligible for parole. And Jerry Childs received the same sentence. Jay made his own decisions, and he stood over an innocent person with a knife and brutally stabbed him to death. Kaylee was the mastermind behind this. If it hadn't been for her words, this would have never happened and her father would be alive. I'm still not sure that she had much to do with it. She was 15 years old. Um, she didn't do the stabbing, he did. And I honestly think he probably should have got more time. I think both Kaylee and Jay had problems and they fed off of each other. Our belief is and always will be that justice has been served in this case, that Kaylee Fryer, despite her age, the jury was able to see the facts of the case, the jury was able to discern the truth, and they were able to render both a verdict and recommend a sentence that we believe is just uh, for the death of, of Lewis Keith Fryer. The most disturbing thing to me is, you know, I think Mr. Fryer was doing the absolute best he could to raise his daughter as a single parent, and this is the return he gets for trying to make her uh, do what's right. As the dad that would even forgive Kaylee if everything was true, he would, he would forgive her anyway. That's how I'd want him to be remembered. Kaylee Fryer will be eligible for parole in 2056. She will be 61 years old. Jay Childs will be eligible for parole in 2077 at the age of 88. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.